0: In this and you take our hurt, and you take everything that is messed up about us, God, and you make it beautiful through your son, Jesus. I'm thankful, God, that everything about me that's imperfect, God, all my insecurities and all my fears and all my worries and my anxieties, God, even the, the times that I think I'm better than I am, God, you take that. Um, what would seem like ugliness, and make it beautiful. So Father, I pray that you would just help uh, me to serve well this morning. I pray that you would, you would just open our hearts um, to hear what you have to say, God. That we would be humble enough to hear what the God of the universe wants us to know. And so speak to us through your Spirit. Thank you that your presence is real with us now, God. Just thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen. How's everybody doing? Yeah, get, Wow, that was a that was good. Bravo. Awesome. All right. I want you just to look at the screen. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 7. You don't have to turn there, just look at the screen. And I just want you to think about this. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him into which God has called to him has called him this is my rule in all the churches was any was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised let him not seek circumcision for neither circumcision counts for anything nor circum, nor uncircumcision but keeping the commands of God each one should remain in the condition In which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom. Avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord. As a bondservant. Is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise. He who was free when called. Is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers in In whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. And then, like we're going to read in a moment, he goes into talking about singleness, unmarried, which is divorced, uh, widows. He addresses it from the standpoint, okay, get this, he addresses it from the standpoint of taking advantage of your current position in life for the sake of the gospel. Okay, so today we're going to start a four-week series called Family Ties, Okay, and four weeks, uh, which our small groups start tonight. For those of you who have Sunday night groups, and for those of you who have Monday or Thursday groups, those start this week. Also, the first four weeks of small groups are going to coincide with what we talk about here on Sunday morning. So here's my little plug for small groups. The sign-ups are still out there. Okay, and I know life is just insane sometimes. All right, so we've had a lot of people sign up for small groups already, and that's a great thing, but for those of you who haven't yet, I know that life just gets nuts, it gets crazy, and you may be like, man, I can't, I just, I, I haven't had the time to be very plugged in at church lately, right, and so that may cause you not to sign up for a small group, because you're just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not very connected, I don't know very many people, but this is me telling you, take that first step, and get in a small group, because I, we have a, we have a, a little, uh, picture up in our office area um, there's nine things from Acts two, Acts 2 that the early church was a part of and one of them is home gatherings because we think it's impossible really at a, in a big gathering like this to get to know people at the level that the church needs to get to know people okay and that's what happens in small groups you get to get deeper with people and have better relationships, have deeper relationships. So we we want you to be a part of a small group, so sign up for one today. But we're going to focus for the next four weeks on singleness, marriage, parenting, and leaving a legacy. Okay, today we're going to talk about singleness specifically, but I also want to set the tone for the whole message. Okay, we're going to talk about singleness, we're going to address single people, just regular single people, single parents... Single widows or widowers and single divorced people, okay? If you're, if you're divorced and now remarried, we're going to talk more about that next week. But what I don't want to happen is if you're not in the position of life that we're talking about currently that week, right? Do not jump off the train. Don't, don't just not listen, okay? Because we're a team at church, Right? We need to understand who else is in our church. We need to understand what they're going through, right? And so don't, don't get off the train. Listen up. Okay, what we're also not going to do is we're not going to call these things stages, okay? So preachers, whoever, whoever preaching, I'm doing two of them and other people are doing two other ones. So if you're preaching on the other ones, don't call them stages. Because these are not stages in life, As in, if you're in one, you have to all of a sudden aspire to be in another one. Because we don't want you to see any of these positions, we're going to call them positions in life, as better than the other ones. Okay, we're going to talk about this a little more. But your position in life right now can be leveraged for the gospel like my position in life may not be able to be. Like somebody else's position in life right now may not be able to be leveraged for the gospel. Okay, we've talked about marriage before. We've talked about leaving a legacy before. We've talked about parenting. It's been a long time. I can't even remember the last time we talked about singleness, so I'm kind of excited about this one, all right? I'm also a little anxious because I'm not single, Right. But I remember what it was like to be single, all right? I'm just not going to... I remember what it was like to be single for myself because of all the speakers, I'm probably the closest to it, all right? Um, but what we want to do... We don't want to talk about these things from the standpoint of, like we've talked about marriage before and we've looked at Scripture and said, what does Scripture say about how you can be a better spouse? Or what does Scripture say about how you can be a better parent? Or what does Scripture say about how you can leave a legacy? We've always looked at these kinds of things from the standpoint of like it becomes this self-help. How can I get better at this position in life from an individual standpoint? It's not how we're going to look at it today. What we're going to look at comes from verse 17 of what I just read, and this is what it says. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. Here's what I mean by that. Whatever position you are in, in life right now, it is only a means to an end for the gospel. Whatever position in life you're in right now, It's only a means to an end for the gospel. So I have one point, okay? I'm going to break my rule a little bit and give you two parts of that one point, okay? So I'm going to give you a question to answer and then a statement. We're going to focus on that statement for most of the time. But here's the question, okay? And as I ask this question of myself, you all need to put yourself in the I in this question. Okay, we've got to answer this question. Am I willing... To pursue God and surrender to him no matter what. Like whatever position I am in life. If I'm single and I really want to be married. Right? If I'm a single parent and I really want a spouse. If I'm married and my marriage is struggling. right? If I'm married with kids or without kids. Whatever position you are in life. Am I willing to pursue God? and surrender to him no matter what. And the answer to that becomes this statement. God's call on us always holds the most gospel reward. You get that? God's call on us always holds the most gospel reward. So as we think about singleness today, whether you're single, single parent, whatever you are, while you are single, ha, will you pursue God first and leverage what you are for the kingdom of God? And leverage what you are for the kingdom of God. This is what I'm not saying, and I don't think Paul is saying it either with what we're, just, what we're about to read. We're not saying that if you're single, you're going to be single forever, or that you should be single forever. But what we're asking is for all of us whether you're single or not single, to think about your position in life from a more godly and a more healthy way. Not how can it be better for me or how can it be better for the people around me. No, the most healthy way we can think about God's call on us right now is how can I serve the gospel from my position in life with the advantages of what life is right now. All right, you tracking with me? See where we're going with this? All right, This is not just a self-help thing. We're thinking of it in terms of the gospel. Perry Noble, he's a, he's a pastor of uh, New Spring Church in South Carolina. And I was watching a periscope of him recently. He was doing a question and answer in the car. He wasn't driving, but he was holding the camera. And uh, somebody asked him a question. I don't remember what the question was, but I remember what the answer was. Okay, And his answer was this. It was about singleness and getting married, and if you want to get married or not get married, whatever. He said this, if you want to get married just because you hate being single, don't. Don't do it. Because no one can stand up under that pressure. And here's the truth of the matter, okay? Because whoever you marry, and every married person in the room will attest this, whoever you marry is not perfect, right? Don't look at your spouse. Nan, just look straight at Vance. I love that. (laughs) Whoever you marry is not perfect, and I can guarantee you this, the grass is not greener on the other side. It's just a different color, okay? The grass is not greener on the other side. It's just a different color. The joys are there in marriage, but the struggles are there also, and they're just different, okay? They're just different. So, let's dig in. To First Corinthians chapter seven, going on to verse twenty-five. All right, you can you can turn there, or you can watch on the screen, or go on your iPhone or whatever or, your, or whatever phone you've got. Read along, First Corinthians seven, verse twenty-five. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one by who who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in the view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you of that. This is what I mean. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. The unmarried man, the unmarried or betrothed woman, is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own Benefit Not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then when he marries his betrothed, he does well, and who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. What did that just say? All right? Now y'all like, should I be married? Should I get divorced? Should I get, I'm confused. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to go through five advantages that this points out to singleness. All right? But this is what I'm not saying. And this is what Paul's not saying either. I want to say it again. And just because you're single right now doesn't mean you're going to be single forever. It doesn't mean you should be single forever. But that while you are single, you make the most of it for the gospel. The big question is, where's the focus? Where's your focus in life? Finding a spouse and getting married or pursuing God who can give you the perfect spouse? Right? So, God's call on us always holds the most gospel reward. Remember that. So, we're going to go through five things. Here's number one the pressure of the world's system, specifically against Christianity. The word that is used there for pressure is anakin or anak, which means violence. And it literally means the tension between the new creation, okay? and a sinful world. The new creation, and a fallen world. So it's that pull, it's that tug. The difficulty and distress will come against those who follow Jesus. It will come against those who follow Jesus. And here's the deal. Me, as a married man with kids, I'm not now only responsible for my own spiritual well-being, for my own pursuit of God, for my own physicalness, for my own sexuality. I'm responsible also for my wife's and for my kids while they're in my household, right? And this is a little more um, heavy, a little more applicable to places in the world where people are being killed for the gospel, right? Because think about that. Think about this. If there is one thing in this life that could possibly make me question whether to stand strong to the end, it's going to be if someone threatens my family. Right? If someone threatens my family for the gospel, the first thing I'm going to do is wonder if I should retaliate. Right? Should I fight this? biblical answer is probably not. The second thing is if somebody threatens the, the, the well-being of my family, it, there's going to be a lot of pressure there to fall under the temptation just to keep them safe, right? I don't want anything to happen to my family. I don't want anything to happen to my wife on the account of me being a Jesus follower, so that's going to be a big-time temptation, right? But we, in America, I really believe that we got to start thinking about those sorts of things, right? we got to start thinking about that, that me as a follower of Christ, it could come to that someday. Am I going to be able to stand up for Jesus when my family is threatened, okay? And all he's saying here is it might, be, it might be easier as a single person. You don't have to worry about that. You have to worry about yourself, right? Now, little aside. Verse 27 says, are you bound to a wife? Don't seek to be free, right? The Bible actually says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing, Right? Notice it doesn't say, she who finds a husband finds a good thing, right? It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. What he's saying here is if you're married, all right, don't be like, oh, man, Paul's right. It would be so much easier not to be married and follow Jesus, so let's get a divorce. That's That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you're married, stay married, all right? Number two. Number one was pressure of the world system. Number two, problems of the flesh. Here's the deal. The more intimate the relationship, and marriage is the most intimate relationship we have on earth, the more intimate the relationship, the greater felt the trouble in that relationship. The deeper your relationship in your married in your married life, the heavier felt the pressure and the trouble that comes with it. Right? Like if I'm not in a deep relationship with somebody, then especially as a guy, I can just let things go. Heather's like, yeah, right, you don't let things go. You, like, think about them. You get depressed about them. She's like, uh-huh, you like a woman in that area, boy. And so, sorry. Anyway, the more intimate the relationship, the deeper felt the trouble that that rela- in that relationship becomes. And here's the deal. When you have one sinful person that marries another sinful person, it does not come together to equal easier, Right? You have two sinful people that marry each other, all it's gonna equal is harder, right? And I don't wanna cause everyone to start thinking about all the bad things about their spouse. But it's the truth. There's trouble in a marriage. And if you're single, you don't have to think about that stuff. All right? Number three, the passing of the world. And this is a truth in the Bible that I hate. I don't like this truth in the Bible, but here's the truth. Marriage is not eternal. Marriage is not eternal. When I'm in heaven, when Heather's in heaven, we're not going to be married. And I don't like that. My human mind cannot grasp that that's possibly a good thing. Matthew 12, 25 says that the resurrection people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in the in heaven. Now, here's what that's saying. Angels in heaven are not married, they're not given in marriage, and they don't procreate. But here's the awesome thing. That when I'm in heaven, here's what, here's what I believe. Is that marriage is the best picture of the gospel in a relationship on planet earth. Right? That the commitment that I have... To my wife should mirror the commitment that I have to Jesus and the church is often called the bride of Christ so when we are in the presence of Almighty God Jesus Christ with our groom as the bride of Christ there won't be any need for marriage and no matter how much I hate that truth I think I'll know that I was married to Heather on on earth I think I'll know who my kids were and I'll love them in heaven but there won't be a need for that marriage covenant relationship because I'll be in the presence of Jesus who now I am married to and committed to for eternity so I don't think I'm going to feel the sorrow of not being married to my wife you get that that's awesome I still don't like it from my human mind right but that gives me comfort To know but the passing of the world marriage is not forever we're going to come back and talk about that from that perspective a little bit more next week when we talk about marriage but as you're single just remember that marriage is not the most important relationship you could have on the planet your relationship with God is Number four, the preoccupation of marriage. Our interests become divided. Colossians 3.2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Our priorities tend to get mixed up. If you're married, you know this, right? If you have kids, you know this. Even if you're a single parent, you know this. Other relationships, other family relationships tend to get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. Isn't that true? Like we all wanna believe that we, we married somebody that would draw us closer to God, but a lot of times my kids and my wife become an idol. I am so much more concerned about how I can please my wife. I'm so much more concerned about how my wife is feeling or how my wife is doing in a certain situation. I'm so much more concerned about my kids and how they're doing at school or how many friends they've made or if they're okay Right? And I get distracted, and they become, they literally become an idol, something that I place in more importance in my life than God. Right? And if you get married, that's what's gonna happen, right? Doesn't have to happen, but it happens because we're human. And number five is the permanence of the union. Straightforward? It's a permanent choice, and there's no easy way out of it, right? Once you get married, you're married. And divorce is not a great thing. It's not a pretty thing. It's not an easy thing. It's not a good thing, right? It happens, and God gives grace after that happens, but it's not a good thing. It's not an easy thing. I want to say this at this moment, that I think biblically marriage is probably God's plan for most people, all right? for most people. But we also know biblically that it is God's plan for some people to have the gift of singleness. And here's what I know about if God gives you the gift of singleness. Cuz I remember my single my single life and the worry that I had. I remember when I was a kid, I used to I used to worry about this all the time even when I was a kid. I don't know how young, but probably probably high school, not a kid. but I used to worry, like, what if I don't get married? Like, I want to have a wife so bad. I want to have kids someday so bad. What if that doesn't happen? I remember worrying about that, right? Here's what I know about if God gives you the gift of singleness, or whatever position he calls you to remain in in life, is that if he does, he will equip you with the emotional needs that you need to stay single well. Right? He will fulfill you in ways that you might want to be fulfilled in marriage, but he'll fulfill those needs so that you can live single. And here's why he gives the gift of singleness sometimes. For all the five reasons that we just mentioned, but so that... In your singleness, okay, so that in your singleness, you can better serve the gospel. Because God's saying, listen, in your singleness, you can serve the gospel. You can reach people that these other married people can't reach. This is what I want for you in life. And if that's true then God's call on us, and this is for everyone, whatever position in life you're in, if that's true, God's call on us always holds the most gospel reward. Verse 35 of what we just just read says this, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint on you. I don't don't wanna hinder you from from a, an awesome life. I don't want to discourage you if you want to be married, right? I'm not, I'm, not say, I'm not saying all this to put restraint on you and to make life hard for you, but then he goes on and he says, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. That's the point for everybody in the room. Undivided devotion to To the Lord, right? Whether you're single, married, with kids, without kids, single parent, divorced, widowed widower, older, with grandkids, and you're thinking about the legacy you're gonna leave when you're done on this earth, whatever position you are in to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. God's call on us always holds the most gospel reward, okay? And there is pain sometimes in some hard positions in life. And I can imagine singleness is one of those, right? But if you're single, if you're a single parent, if you're divorced and you felt that pain, if you're a widower or a widow, God knows, all right? God knows And you're probably saying, Nick, this is easy for you to say because you're married with kids, right? I'm, I'm not saying I know. I'm saying God knows, right? And that's enough because he also knows the desires, the deepest desires of your heart. So the question is, what does God want from you right now? Are you willing to pursue God and surrender to him no matter what he calls you to? For right now or for the rest of life? Are you willing to surrender to him no matter what? And that's a question for everyone in the room. Whatever position you are in, in life right now, are you willing to say, God, whatever you want, I'm going to surrender to that. And I want my position in life to be for the gospel. Because why? Because God's call on us always holds the most what? Gospel reward. That's right. I talked to Tim about this topic a couple weeks ago, knowing that it was coming up. And Tim's our worship leader for any new people. He was the guy singing right here. Um, Tim has a sister. She's single, right? Right? And someday, she would like to get married. But in her waiting, she has asked God, how can I best serve you? How can I best serve the gospel in my singleness? So, she adopted a child. She chose to be a single parent for the sake of that child who needed a parent. Right? We're called, true religion, what is that? To care for orphans and widows. Like she took that and said, you know, I may not be married, but here's a kid that needs it. I need to adopt this kid. And so for the sake of that child and for, for the sake of God's call on her, she adopted this child. Now, from what Tim said, I know she's, she wants to get married someday, right? She wants to have a husband. She wants to give this child a father. But she listened to what God was leading her to right now for the sake of the gospel. She didn't wait until all the conditions were perfect. No, it's, yeah, God, this is what I need to do, so I'm going to do it. Someone from Creekside said this about their singleness this week. This person's going to know who they are, but none of you will. For me, singleness is something that I am called to. From a study that I just did, I realized that codependency is a struggle for everyone in my family. I want a relationship so bad. I've called out to God about this and the answer I always receive is in time. And it's not going to be what you think it will look like. So, in the meantime, I'm calling out to God whenever my mind starts to wander in that thought process. My pros are a deeper relationship, a richer relationship with God than I have ever had Before, before I was always distracted in whatever relationship I was in. Now there is no distraction. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. To see your current position in life and ask God how he wants to specifically use you for his gospel. For the good news that Jesus died for everyone. God's call on us always holds the most gospel award. Here's the deal. If you're single, you may have opportunities that I may never have again. Right? If you're divorced and single, you can now, in God's grace, reach a demographic of people that I'll never be able to reach. If you're a widower or a widow, you understand pain and suffering like most of us never will it's true if you're a single parent you can reach people that I might not be able to reach that other married people may not be able to reach that whatever has happened to get you into the position that you are in right now, the question is, are you willing to pursue God from that position in life and be used for the gospel right there? You see how that works? Like, I can't reach everyone our elders can't reach everyone. The couples in this room can't reach everyone. The single people in this room can't reach everyone. But the church is a body so that together we can reach a lot more people for the gospel. You know what I'm saying? So if you're not single, encourage the single people. Don't, don't go up to them and be like, it's okay. You might not be single forever, right? Right? They'll probably be like, shut up, dude. You don't know what I'm feeling, you know? But what I am saying is whatever position in life that you're in, encourage somebody else in another position in life and ask the question, what's God calling you to? Who can you reach that I can't reach? Who could we reach together? Who can we evangelize? Who can we help? How can we minister to you? I don't understand your position in life. Help me understand. How can we reach more people? How can we reach more people? God's call on us always holds the most gospel reward. And that's why we're not all in the same position in life. You get that? If we were, we would reach one demographic. That's it. And we would understand nobody else. And we'd probably say stupid things to people in other positions in life Because we don't understand. Right? We're a church. This is how it's supposed to be. I want to shift gears slightly here, but it fits together. We're going to worship together in a moment. We're going to take the bread and the cup. But the greatest single thing that has ever happened in the history of the world was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our salvation I want to read to you from Isaiah and as you listen to this I want you to hear specifically what was Jesus all about what was Jesus single minded determining factor in his life while he was here on earth because the Bible says that he was fully God and fully man, that he was tempted in every way that we are, but without sin. But from these verses, from Isaiah 53, I want you to just to listen and hear, this was Jesus' heart for me while he was on earth. And what I want is this, for this to set into perspective that your position in life is not the most important thing. No matter how painful it must be for some people and how joyful it must be for other people, it's not the most important thing in life. So just listen to this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Jesus was only ever concerned about the will of his Father in heaven, and that was our salvation. You get that? Jesus came to earth so that he could die for me so that my life could be bigger than it, than it could have been without. And that my life could be full. That my life could be free. And so all of a sudden, my position in life, my marriage, my kids, they're only a means to an end for the gospel, Right? And if I didn't have them, my singleness would be. The band's going to come back up. And I'm sure as a human being, Jesus, being tempted in every way that we are yet without sin, he probably felt that he didn't get everything that he wanted out of life. Right? But he was driven By his single pursuit of the will of his Father. God's call on us always holds the most gospel reward. So we're going to take communion together. We're going to remember Jesus because this is our salvation. And this is what our focus should be. This is the mission. How can we reach more people together for the gospel? Right? So let's not lose that. So there's two tables up front, one in the back. There's going to be people walking up. And if you just don't have, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, and this just doesn't mean anything to you, okay. There's going to be people walking all over the place. So you're not going to be singled out if you stay in your seat. You're not going to be singled out if you get up. But here's the deal. We're taking communion to remember Jesus by what he gave us. The bread representing his body, broken for us and the cup his blood shed for me so that my purpose in life could be freedom and so much bigger than myself but the gospel right so there's freedom in this place there is freedom in this place okay the position that you hold in life right now may be holding you in bondage And you need to be set free from that. There is freedom in the blood of Jesus that sets us free from pursuing earthly things to saying, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm in the hands of an almighty God. And I know that you'll equip me emotionally and physically and spiritually to be what you want me to be. So let's pray. God, thank you for every individual in the room. Thank you for what you have called them to be. Thank you for single people in the room, God. If you've called them to marriage, uh, we're excited who you might lead them to marry. But God, every person in the room, we are excited to serve you, to serve the gospel where you have us right now. So as we remember Jesus, I pray that we would remember his single-minded focus on earth, our salvation, that he lived to die so that we could be free. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name. Upward falling, spirit soaring, I touch the sky when my knees hit the ground. That's what that's about. There's no better place than to be at the feet of Jesus, bowed down on your knees. Because my life will soar when my knees are sore. That's the challenge no matter what position you are in life today, no matter what joys it brings, no matter what pain it brings. Because there's pain in what we talked about today in singleness that I don't understand. But you'll touch the sky when your knees hit the ground. So that's the challenge this week, is be on your knees before the only being that can do anything about your life right now this is for everyone in the room that we pray this week specifically God how can I serve the gospel from where I am in life right now with the advantages that I have right now so we're gonna sing one more song to be let out of here and just picture yourself on your knees and if you want to get on your knees you can do that whatever there's freedom here Let's worship together before Almighty God.